Welcome to Customer Value Cast, a podcast dedicated to helping you acquire, retain, and expand more customers by putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle. Join our host, Ross Fulton, founder and CEO of ValueWise, as he dives deep into how reoccurring revenue businesses are maximizing their growth and valuations with the industry's leading experts and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Ross Fulton. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Customer Value Cast, the show dedicated to helping you maximize measurable value for your customers so that you can maximize the retention and expansion of customers in your business. Today, I'm joined by John Benson. John is the Vice President of Worldwide Solutions Engineering at HashiCorp. HashiCorp is a technology company that just had an amazing IPO and is a leader in multi-cloud infrastructure automation software. In this episode, John and I drill into the rapid evolution of pre-sales roles and strategy in tech companies, why the integration of pre-sales with their post-sales counterparts is so critical, and how to ensure that integration is successful. So, without further ado, please enjoy my value-filled chat with John Benson. John, thanks for joining me today. Yes, yes, of course. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, as as am I. I mean, I know you and I have been uh, we've had extraordinarily long conversations <laughs> over the course of uh, the last eighteen months or so since our two uh, companies have been partnered. And uh, I have to say, I find and have found many of those conversations to be very cathartic because of the uh, the pre sales and kind of that domain background and passion that we share. And uh, I know we're going to get into uh, into that world deeply on this conversation. But for the listeners who haven't uh, maybe connected with you before, do you want to share a bit more about your career path and experience and what you're up to today in uh, in HashiCorp? Sure, sure. And uh, thanks for having me. So uh, I work at HashiCorp. Uh, we are an infrastructure automation company that enables customers to get to not just one cloud, but many clouds through uh, infrastructure as code and, and cloud automation tooling that we build through open source and enterprise solutions. Uh, I currently run our solutions engineering organization. Uh, we're uh, just passing around 200 people in my organization. So we've grown quite immensely. Where I started my journey was about six and a half, a bit over six and a half years ago. Uh, I had joined HashiCorp when we were right around 10 people. So I worked with Mitchell and Armand, our founders, at a company, uh, at a startup, mobile advertising startup, prior to joining HashiCorp. Thought, wow, those are the two smartest people I've ever met. Uh, they started HashiCorp, and so uh, I followed them over shortly after. So I joined as the first uh, solutions engineer. Uh, for me, it was uh, you know a, a learning experience as I hadn't done that role before, but I always kind of straddled the uh, line between business and technology. And so it was a great fit. Uh, we didn't have any sales folks at the time. Um, and so it was really the, the first sales individual in the door. Uh, and then from there, we grew our project portfolio in the open source space where uh, we, we had started with Vagrant Packer, Terraform. And kind of uh, during that first few years was Vault, uh, Console, Nomad really uh, picking up speed and then building enterprise solutions. So starting with the SaaS and then going to self-managed and uh, now coming full circle and, uh, and and offering our products as managed services 
So throughout that time, have learned a lot. Uh, did a stint as the CS leader for probably six months, um, not too long ago, as we were on the search for um, someone to run the customer success organization. So that's where I got introduced to you, Ross, and uh, and we spent quite a bit of time nailing down what we wanted our customer success strategy to look like, how it would incorporate value into all the different components of our go-to-market journey and customer lifecycle. So with that, excited to continue to dig into uh, that topic or any other. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, HashiCorp, I mean, I think I'd imagine most of the listeners uh, will have heard of HashiCorp, if not just for the incredible growth story and trajectory that HashiCorp has has created so far and uh yeah i say to have been there when it was just 10 people through to the size of company today and uh all the all the growth that that has come with that must have been a incredible and has been an incredible continues to be an incredible journey and so flooring the role that the approach to your customer life cycle and HashiCorp, the role of putting value at the heart of that customer life cycle how that equates into how that is approached from a pre-sale sales perspective versus post-sale perspective. I think HashiCorp is just a, a fascinating organization to watch and certainly help contribute to the uh, evolution there. When it, we come to pre-sales itself, in terms of the concept of pre-sales as a team, as a function, as a motion within the customer lifecycle, within the sales funnel, it's yeah, it's an area that you spent a lot of your career in. It's an area I spent a lot of my career in, in addition to customer success and it's always been one that i think has been under underserved in terms of its real strategic understanding and application within organizations now there's certainly many organizations including hashicorp that get it very right but you see so many other organizations who they have a pre-sales or solution consulting solution engineering function it comes with various labels various brand names um, but within that function despite their desires and maybe sort of best efforts it tends to sort of be a demo monkey dog and pony sort of machine going out into sales opportunities and doing software demos product demos uh, they're filling out endless info- information security type questionnaires etc as part of the sort of pre-sales process they're responding to RFPs and driving that side of the equation, as opposed to what I think you and I align on, which as to what pre-sales should be and is. But we'd love to get your take on sort of both, again, sort of what your perception of uh, is, is is the reality of pre-sales maybe in the wider enterprise technology industry today versus what you believe it should be and certainly lead it to be in, in HashiCorp. I think the the landscape has shifted. You know, it shifted in the way that we sell and license products as as industries. So the way that technology uh, is purchased, you know, coming from perpetual, you know, into subscription uh, based. When you're self managed, where you're buying, you know, or, you know, signing these contracts that are years out, in which you have multiple years to be able to justify the cost in which you know someone paid. Whereas now it's uh, it's monthly and a consumption based, and that's what these SaaS solutions afforded our customers is to say, you know what, I'm going to pay you when I achieve the value, and I get to monitor that on a regular basis, and I'm going to use less if I'm not getting the value I want. And so with that kind of trajectory, uh, or I guess the, the the change in the way that customers consumed and paid for products, 
uh, as well as the complexity of the products that are being delivered, it kind of forced us to have a, a conversation that required deep technical expertise. And so if before you're just buying a bunch of virtualized uh, servers or you're buying, you know, hardware, you know, racks and racks or switches or whatever it is, it wasn't that complicated of, uh, of a matter. You know, you were just you're going to buy in bulk. It's not going to change very often. Every couple of years, they'll come back and say, hey, do you want to buy more? And here's a discount. It gets lumped in through the partners. You know, great. Whereas now there's so many different choices and with the you know, advent of open source, there's many free solutions. And so these customers are going through this journey of a learning new technology. Uh, they're being exposed to many different parts of the stack that traditional personas didn't get exposed to. Uh, you had your networking person, you know, you had you know, your, your, your server people, uh, you know, there was like specific personas and you had a specific job set, whereas now developers these days are being challenged with having to understand networking and service networking and secrets management. And given the, the, the challenges of, of hacking today, everyone needs to be aware of how they're designing their applications to prevent themselves from getting hacked or your operations team needs to make this shared service so simple that you just get it for free and you as a developer don't have to think about it. And so the world's just really complex now because we've innovated so much and there's companies like HashiCorp and, you know, our partners and, you know, competitors even that make for the decision that make the decision making process and selecting the technology, uh, incredibly important, but incredibly challenging. So that's where I think solutions engineers or sales engineers or whatever you want to call it come into, you know, come into the light is, you know, it's no longer the value prop is super clear. Uh, here's an order form, sign it or not, you know, where you're arguing over discounting. It's more so, you know, well, what are you even selling me? I don't even know what my problem is. I know that I got asked to do this thing, but uh, I just did a quick Google search and now I had to learn about Kubernetes and I just figured out, you know, what all these different, you know, very deeply technical solutions that, you know, almost require a PhD to understand because there haven't been companies built up around those products and solutions to be able to educate those end users. And so it's just a really difficult situation for our customer base to be in. Uh, and that's where we look to partner with them. But to partner with them, you need to have a pretty deep technical understanding at HashiCorp and on the SE side, it's incredibly challenging because we span the entire stack, application deployment, networking, secrets management, provisioning, development flow. There's just so much there. And so the this type of sale that we do, and I think the one that's becoming more prevalent in our industry is a deeply technical one and requires someone that has that expertise, but also has the sales side, you know, can also understand how to do discovery, know that you're not just looking to buddy up with someone and nerd out and talk tech, which that's, of course, a great way to establish re relationships, but we're here to generate revenue and recurring revenue at a high retention rate. And so that's an incredibly important piece and where I think, you know, SEs have become uh, more prominent in the sales motion today than they ever did before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the sort of, if to distill that down into language that at least for better or worse, I would use. And uh, I know you and I are certainly aligned on it. It's really a emotion around diagnosis, quantification, prescription of value to that customer, because we can't rely on that customer, not through any fault of their own, but because of all the factors you're describing. And this doesn't just apply to, to HashiCorp or to HashiCorp-esque technology companies that have that degree of, of 
powerful but certainly advanced technology solutions, certainly more consumable, <laughs> I guess, business user oriented technology companies as well have the same dynamic. You can't rely on the customer to, uh, to really be able to self-diagnose, self-quantify, self-prescribe, okay, what value am I looking to get from the solution? And it's that value that we need to have so crystal clear and agreed and a plan to deliver post-sale to drive retention and expansion. And so this role of pre-sales, as you describe it, in terms of really providing the the energy and the expertise to ensure that value does get ultimately defined and agreed with a prospect it's just it's just so mission mission critical um the um that obviously brings into the the conversation well the the story the journey for the customer the 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 uh the strategy for a company like cashicorp doesn't end with agreeing with the customer, what the value is going to be achieved, what outcome is going to get achieved, uh, or and indeed how it's going to happen, it needs to happen. It needs to get delivered, and so that connection with the post-sale motion and the ability to ensure that the value does get realised is obviously critical. How do you see either today or um, sort of moving forward the role of pre-sale solution consulting evolving in terms of that integration with with the post-sale? Yeah, that's that's been a, a fun one and a thought exercise that um, you know I had been going through when I had my CS you know leader hat on as well as the SE leader is if we're designing systems and processes around the customer achieving value, you know the the diagnosis, the quantification, the prescription, all that incredibly important in pre-sales. But if you don't have something to catch it on the other side or bridge to the other post-sales side given that they're kind of distinct organizations, um, the customer's not going to be successful because what was described in the pre-sale process might not be delivered in the post-sale process. And that's not good for the customer or you because you're not going to retain them. Um, and so where I see you know CS evolving um, and kind of the, the model we had gone with is similar to our pre-sales model. We have an account manager and a solutions engineer. Uh, that make an account team the pre-sale process, and they go and diagnose, uh, quantify, prescribe, et cetera, the, the value you're going to see. On the post side, we see that as well, where we have CSMs, customer success managers, and then CSAs, customer success architects, which make your account manager uh, sort of SE you know, pair, a technical person pair. So you still have someone as the uh, trusted advisor on the post-sale side, and you still have someone that can understand what was sold technically uh, on the pre-sale side that you can help educate them so that they can deliver the solution that they were promised. Now, where I see this going uh, is interesting because I think with uh, the the consumption-based model that the world is going towards with SaaS, you never really end your sales cycle. It's not, you know, I start a sales motion, I have an opportunity, I sell a deal, it's a three-year uh, three-year deal. And then the CS team just handles ensuring that they're adopting. And, you know, then when that three-year renewal comes up, then that's it. You know, then they drop sell and sales team drives cross sell. Uh, it, it feels more cyclical. It's like, if we can do a good job of getting them to value quickly, which means probably a smaller land deal up front, then we're immediately as an account team working on the you know upsell motion, which means they're continuing to uh, use more and more of whatever was sold and the cross-sell motion of, hey, what other challenges can we help you solve? So the sales motion never really ends. Where I think we have challenges is we have different personas in each of those different 
uh, in each of those different boxes. So we, we defined a pre-sales box and we defined a post-sale box and we define a renewals box. And so there's all these different boxes that need to work together, where in reality, this is just one fluid motion. And that's where I can see a lot of the uh, industry heading if you know the, the last couple of years have been any indication of what the customer wants is continuous success and continuous value. And to be able to be or to be passing the ball uh, back and forth into different teams when we're all on the same team, I think creates more complexity than is necessary. Um, I also think there needs to be uh, some more innovation in the system space or the solution space for how you do that. And Ross, this was a challenge you and I faced and questions I naively asked you and, you know, kind of taking on the CS role is, well, surely there's, you know, a system that spans from pre to post sale that creates a cyclical customer journey that's uniform. And no, there's Salesforce on one side and, you know, there's Gainsight on the other and, you know, they're looking to bridge in between, but then there, you know, there's other people entering the space that also creates from a, a, a field ops, you know, organization standpoint, just more complexity because you have to build your own people culture around the tools and processes that you use. And so um, I do think that there's a huge opportunity uh, on behalf of the customer for the you know, vendors to be able to provide a more uniform solution by kind of paring down the, the, the account team into one fluid motion and one fluid team that's accountable towards that account success. Yeah, no, here, here, absolutely. And I think the, yeah, the technology piece quickly, it is an interesting one. I, uh, an episode of the value cast that I just recently did was with Scott McCorkle of, of MetaCX and, uh, certainly that MetaCX have a fascinating vision around, uh, I think solving what you're describing, but there's, there are other solutions out there that I would say would, and these are purely my words, not to put words in their mouth, but sort of orientating their value proposition around this concept of value selling and value prescription. Um, and that happening in the sales, i.e. pre or sales slash pre-sales side of the equation. So decision links and ecosystems, etc. cetera. Um, where, where are you seeing today? And again, not picking on any one particular company, but, uh, but based on sort of what you have seen and heard and experienced today, where are you seeing kind of the technology in that pre-sale context for you designed for use in that in the pre-sale stage of the life cycle whether it be specifically being used by the account executive the solution consultant a maybe a dedicated value engineering function which is separate from the solution consulting function which candidly i would challenge the need for or the, or the logic for but that is seemingly increasingly happening in uh, in enterprises but putting the specific user aside the technology that's designed for that sale pre-sales use case around value engineering value prescription value selling where are you seeing it get being got right now right now in terms of functionality and capabilities versus what do you see as the, the glaring gaps it's a good question. I think I think there's quite a few gaps and a lot of them being filled. I think traditionally, uh, and even right now, there's a lot of companies like ourselves that just figure, hey, we're, we're smart, we're technical folks, let's just build it ourselves. And so on top of Salesforce, you have bolted on a bunch of custom stuff through project management software, you know, just to under, you know, integrate with our product and engineering teams to be able to surface and advocate for the requests customers make means that there's, you know, Salesforce in which you're tying things to revenue. There's, you know, Asana or Jira in which your engineering or product teams might be using to prioritize the different tasks. 
Then there's also, you know, with Salesforce, the ability to forecast and the ability to really uh, understand and predict what you're going to do revenue wise isn't quite good enough. So there's other tools like Clary, uh, but there's never really been something for the solutions engineering team. And that was this past year, something we've actually been exploring. And uh, we're currently exploring Vivin. I have heard other companies you know, in our space have had pretty good success with being able to understand what activities a solutions engineer, what activities they do and how that translates to conversion of revenue. So we have stages, you know, we talked about diagnose, uh, quantify, prescribe, um, and there's many things that SEs do to be able to get opportunity from one stage to the next. But to be able to quantify that, you have to have, you know, a pretty good sales ops team or, you know, administrative team to be able to build out the reporting and, you know, the functionality. And a lot of it's just scaffolding on top of Salesforce. It wasn't purpose built for the solutions engineering type of persona. And so that's something that I think is a huge gap. I think you know, companies like Vivin are doing a good job of looking to solve for those challenges and allow us on the you know SE leadership side to really understand, you know, if I put this much effort in or this much time in, what should I expect from a conversion rate perspective coming out of it? Also, you know, we do interface with many different cross-functional teams within the company. How do we better interface with them through uh, things like being able to prioritize feature requests? How many of those feature requests are bugs? translate to revenue at risk so we can better predict that. And so I still think we have a, a ways to go, but there are some interesting vendors looking to solve those challenges. But right now we built all our own scaffolding and that's as painful as what we describe to our customers. Hey, you know, you can build it on top of the open source, but eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. And, you know, we're kind of in that spot where we've invested so much just in building the scaffolding around how to run the SE organization and gather the insights we need to run our business, uh, where I think some um, some solutions that you can buy off the shelf will, will do pretty well. Yeah, as I said, I'd never, I'm just looking right now. I, have not, I hadn't heard of Vivian before, so uh, that's, that's interesting. Um, the, so again, centering, or I guess recognizing this concept of value as the nucleus of the outcomes that a pre-sales solution consulting team is focused on enabling in in the context that the role that that solution consulting role plays, and because pre-sales is doing that at the beginning or very close at least to the beginning um, of the overall customer lifecycle and customer journey, I think it really emphasizes this concept of defining the value, what it is the value, and recognizing that for any. B2B technology company, no matter the nature of their technology stack in terms of um, how advanced it is, how technical it is, there is a huge scalable scalability issue as well as overall risk to the customer journey by going in with a blank sheet of paper into every prospect and defining value from the ground up off that blank sheet of paper with that prospect to be able to scale, to be able to drive assurance around as a vendor, you, your capability to deliver that value, we need some level of pre-definition of the value. And because that enables then us to have that prescriptive motion, which actually the buyer in most cases is looking to receive, they're looking to be prescribed to, it creates a much more uh, positive buying experience. Um, but also it gives us as a vendor the assurance that, hey, we're prescribing over here pre-sale what we know we can deliver post-sale as a post-sale organization and measure the, the, the achievement of such that we can use it to drive the retention and expansion we want to drive off the customer. And I know you and I have spent 
and, uh, and and with our respective teams <laughs> a lot of time on this subject of defining value in, in HashiCorp. Um, and we think of this concept as value-based outcomes in in value-wise. And it was not a, and never will it be for any organization, a quick sort of, oh, we'll do a half a day workshop and da-da, there it is. With HashiCorp as well, there's this concept of use cases, which I say is a, it makes a lot of sense and is obviously a prevalent concept in other B2B technology companies around, hey, look, our product is designed for these use cases. It was an interesting melting pot, ultimately. I, th- I would say, I think you'd agree to reconcile this world of use cases with the headline value propositions and the concept of what we think of as value-based outcomes, which are outcomes that can be measured and directly linked to usage of the product by a user such that we can start to think about leveraging product telemetry data as a leading indicator to value realization. But it was, yeah, it was it was a lot of work. Why do you think it is a lot of work? I mean, not, and again, this isn't necessarily commentary on, on HashiCorp, but just in general, because we see it being a challenge in so many B2B organizations to try and get them to to be able to do the work to define value that can be measured and linked to actual usage of the product or solutions that they're prescribing and selling to their customers. Why do you think it's so hard? Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard in general because there, it's sort of an it depends. I think it, it's I'll, I'll describe why it's hard for HashiCorp, and I think that there's a lot of similarities in some of the challenges HashiCorp faces as other B two B companies are facing. For us, you know, we started with. We had or have open source. Open source, you know, has millions and millions of people using. And you presume that by their usage, you initially presume by their usage that they're getting value. Why else would they keep using that tool not getting value out of it? And so we started with this kind of naive assumption of, well, if they're using the open source, then they're obviously getting value. And, you know, if they're using our enterprise and need those features, then they're just going to pay for it, you know, because they're getting more value because these features are unlocking their ability to do things like, you know, governance or uh, maybe it makes for an easier workflow. Uh, The challenge we had was we didn't help them help themselves. They didn't know why they were purchasing your tools. They know they needed, you know, a specific feature, but then it creates the argument of, well, why don't you just build it? It's open source. You can build on top of it. So we kind of left ourselves in a tough situation on the sales side of not coming armed with a prescriptive reason as to why they want to do business with you, what the value is that they're going to achieve so that even if they're not the budget holder, they can go and describe what that value is to the budget holder and link it directly to things that you can actually track. Now, we were going through a maturity process across our open source projects, our enterprise products, and the you know transition from open source to enterprise self-managed as well as on the cloud. And so we have this matrix of products that all have different use cases, you know, th- usually around three use cases, depending on the product, all of which each have six value-based outcomes. And all of those differ depending on the persona that is at the company. And so you have practitioners, which, you know, maybe consumers of the technology, Uh, you have, you know, the different budget holders, you have security, you have, you know, people in finance, you have the executives, you have all these different people who care about different things. So to arm a sales rep, as well as a customer success manager to go into a conversation based on their persona, based on the product, based on the use case and the value that that persona 
wants to achieve means you have to very prescriptively write all that out. And you take that across, you know, many products and many different features that are constantly evolving. And it just took a really long time for us to be able to write it down in a way that we were confident we could hand that to a sales rep and a CSM and it wouldn't change in two months once we released two features. Now, we did a lot of great work already. The use cases were well defined. We knew what types of things we were solving for, you know, as we look to drive cost optimization, but there's many different features that help support that narrative and how you quantify whether you're doing that uh, is based on different metrics that you can track. And so agreeing across all the different organizations, well, mind you, we're still growing, you know, hundreds of employees every month and just dealing with organizational change made for a very complex uh, situation where we were, you know, certainly building the, the plane while we were flying it. And so I think, you know, why it's hard is it's kind of core to how you're going to generate recurring revenue. It's core to how you're going to retain. So you must get it right. And, you know, being able to take, you know, work with all the different organizations. And I think a lot of that depends on how, you know, how big you are or how deep you are into your, your go-to-market journey, where if you're earlier on, it's easier to make pretty big changes. But uh, in this case, there was just a lot of different stakeholders internally as well as externally that we needed to validate what it was that we described as value to ensure we got it right. So we didn't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, a year later. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's such a great summary of, of just, yeah, the dynamic and so many uh, incredible tech companies. But I think, one element I distill some of the some of this down into is this concept of vulnerability, and it's it's a vulnerable process for an organization that has achieved a level of success, a level of growth, which is very much warranted, and off the off the back of a number of strengths regarding product design and business execution, go to market execution, but to after or having achieved so much to sort of take pause and say, well. Do we have value defined? Do we do we really know what the value is, or, or do we can we can we measure the value? And I think that's where I think there's a lot of this is language. And the question isn't so much do we know what the value is, or do our is our product delivering value? You don't get to uh, sort of hundreds of millions of ARR as a company if you don't have a product that delivers some value. The question is, can I measure that value? Do I know how to measure that value? And the ability to measure that value, that being a way of verifying value realization in the customer such that you can then use that verification to drive retention and expansion of that customer. That's the question. Um, and I think framing it in that concept of can we measure it? And can we can we sort of enable that measurement to be uh, effective and scalable across our customer base by taking a prescriptive approach to what the value should be. They're the questions, not are we delivering value? We don't know what the value is because those two types of questions, yeah, that's an extremely arguably often sort of inaccurate question to ask in that it's not the pro it's not really the question it's not the gap but also it's a very vulnerable thing to ask a founding team or a, or a cpo and challenge them on whereas getting a bit more tactical and getting a bit more not tactical right that way i think it is tactical tactical application of value i think that's sort of the mindset that uh, certainly we as value wise in our partnerships with some of the fastest and growing and largest tech companies in the world, including HashiCorp, we've learned a lot in the last, I'd say, two years around this subject and around how to drive the change management side of defining value in enterprise. Um, and just positioning the language around it, I think, is very, very important. 
the um, just final topic before we wrap up the obviously there's been this rise of customer success and we can obviously define customer success in a few different ways customer success the function customer success the strategy customer success the culture etc and we talked earlier about the integration between sort of the pre-sales function and the post-sales function to ensure that that value cycle between a value agreement and value delivery is seamless and that distills down into this critical partnership with the organizational function called customer success in so many companies how do you see that partnership evolving both sort of organizationally and from an accountability perspective as well as as well as culturally around sort of the concept of passing customers off between each other and diving catches because pre-sales kind of has some IP around the customer that they gained through the sales motion that customer success hasn't quite grasped or been given yet, but it's that, that IP that's going to save the customer as they're maybe approaching a, a certain churn risk scenario. So the, 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 the partnership is so critical in my mind, but I'm curious as to sort of how you see it, uh, I guess, effectively working in an ideal case and and maybe evolving in the future? Yeah, I think the uh, the key is, is that they make one account team, whether you're pre-sales or post-sale, that you're moving all in the same direction in support of the account. And so uh, how you cut the various uh, geo segments, regions, you know, territories, whatever it is, ensuring that there's strong alignment with how the customer is going to be sold to and how they're going to be, you know, how you're going to deliver in the post-sale process and how, how to make that whole process more uniform. I think accountability-wise, there needs to be consistency. It can't be, you know, sales rep and SE uh, are accountable for just one piece and then the CS is accountable for the other. I think there needs to be some shared accountabilities if they are going to behave like one team, which means incentives need to align towards what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So if you expect on the CS side, them drive, upsell and drive retention uh, or, you know, a renewals rep or whoever, ensuring that your incentives are properly aligned uh, is important. I think what's key is going to be trust. I think it's difficult for someone who goes, uh, an account team who goes through, you know, a year, a year plus, you know, even six months of trying to get a customer over the line and it's a big logo in your first land deal. And then just hoping that it goes well because your next two and three years of success might depend on that customer being successful. And it's much easier to you know sell to a customer that you already have than it is to find a new one. And I think as account teams better understand that and build that trusting relationship with the CS team and the CS team delivers on what it is that they're accountable for, which is you know ease of retention and you know value being delivered so that the upsell motions are easier, then they start to work truly as a team and you don't have pre-sales, you know, account team stepping into sales. So I, I think that'll be key. I think there needs to be some improvement in how the systems work. So right now, the separation of, you know, what sales measures themselves by, how they forecast and predict is different than a tool that the CS team uses. And there's, you know, license wise, uh, it's difficult to be able to share that. And so integrating those and making the insights from what's working, what's not working easier will be important. Um, I think a tight integration between the teams of accountability. And so, you know, we all roll into our CRO. I think that's incredibly important. 
that your pre and post sales teams roll into, you know, ultimately one person that's accountable for the revenue number uh, as that person, even if there are separate organizations, CS versus, you know, account management versus SE, they can ensure that there's strong alignment. Uh, and that's something we've seen uh, to be pretty successful. So where it goes over time, um, I, th I think will be interesting. I think if you're a, a new company that's just start, start out and you're entirely SaaS, I think that there's interesting models that we've seen you know, run today where there isn't that distinction of pre and post sale. There's just continuity throughout with one account team and they're incentivized, maybe not just for the land deal, but for the expansion motion. That's where you're going to get people to focus. And if that's what you as a company want, then, you know, you incentivize towards it. And I think there's going to be some pretty interesting ways to build more cost efficient go to market models by doing so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, great overview. And I think, yeah, I mean, one of the many great insights there, I'll just call out one is, is I think that centralization of the customer lifecycle and accordingly the revenue lifecycle under that kind of one one leader that can support yourself and uh, and your your peers around bringing this together and you mentioned HashiCorp's CRO Brandon he's going to be on this show very shortly and I think yeah I think just it, it is it is an integral component to enable this unification of the customer life cycle of pre and post sale of sales and customer success compared to not to say it can't be done and it is certainly can be successful when you maybe have the sales side of rolling into a distinct leader compared to the post-sales side, or maybe it's a divide around revenue accountability. But when it's under one ultimate roof, it is, uh, yeah, does provide a lot of benefit for sure. John, really appreciate all the insight you've shared today. This has been fascinating and very high value. For anyone listening who might like to connect with you um, outside of this this episode, how can people find you? Yeah, you can just find me on LinkedIn, uh, John Benson, J-O-N-B-E-N-S-O-N. Awesome. Well, I'm sure there'll be many that will uh, take you up on that. But for now, again, appreciate the time and the, uh, and the conversation, John, as always. And I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you for having me. That's it for another episode of the Customer Value Cast. The pre-sales profession has a special place in my professional heart. And I'm excited about how it is now breaking out of its software demo and RFP machine legacy. Defining value and the plan to achieve that value with customers pre-sale is the key to kickstarting a customer journey that leads to success for them and net dollar retention for your business. Make sure you get instant access to more great insights by following and subscribing to the Customer Value Cast and checking out the resources section of www.valuewise.co. Until next time, valuewise yourself and valuewise your customers.